0: The earpiece in Sage's ear crackled, and all three men tensed. Victor 1 is approaching the Oxford turnoff," said a female voice. Stand by, stand by, stand by. There were two women sharing the comms, but they used a single call sign. Charlie 1. The SAS troopers and their scooters were in the back of a removal van heading south from the M40, following two vans, codenamed Victor 1 and Victor 2 each with two men in the cab and four jihadists armed with Kalashnikov assault rifles in the back. The Vans had started their journey at just before 9.30, departing from an industrial estate to the west of Birmingham. The warehouse the jihadists were using had been under surveillance by MI5, but according to the female analyst who had briefed the SAS team, they didn't know where the jihadists planned to attack. The analysts had also admitted that MI5 didn't know how many other potential terrorists were involved. So, the decision had been taken to follow them to their intended destination rather than to arrest them at the warehouse. Which was why the three SAS troopers were in the removal van with their scooters and carbines. With no way of knowing which city was the intended target, the plan was for the trucks to ferry the scooters to where they would be needed. The two vans were being followed by MI5 surveillance experts in a variety of vehicles, and there was an MI5 helicopter watching from high up in the sky. The operation was being run from a control centre in MI5's headquarters in Thames House. They were handling all comms. Despite there being counter-terrorism specialist firearms officers on the operation, the police top brass weren't involved. The CTSFOs had been assigned to MI5 for the duration of the operation. Sage wasn't sure why the cops had been kept out of it. It felt to him like an error of judgment. Once shots were fired, people would be reaching for their phones and calling 999, and if an armed response unit turned up, there was every chance they would misread the situation. Once the two vans had turned onto the M40, London had seemed the obvious choice, but Oxford was still a possibility. Victor 1 is remaining in the middle lane and not indicating, said Charlie 1. Sage didn't know if either of the women on the comms were the same one who had handled the briefing at six o'clock in the morning. She hadn't given her name, but then Spooks almost never did. She was in her forties and had a menacing stare, as if she was daring them to look anywhere but at the maps and photographs she'd put up on a large whiteboard. There had been more than twenty men and women gathered together in the abandoned factory building that had been used to prepare for the operation. There were nine bikes being used by six SAS troopers and three CTSFOs from the Met, with drivers for the three removal vans that were being used to ferry the bikes. Each driver was accompanied by an armed CTSFO and there were six surveillance vehicles, all driven by unarmed MI5 surveillance experts. Victor 1 has passed the Oxford turnoff," said the woman in Sage's ear. Victor 2 is in the middle lane and not indicating. Looks like London then, said Taylor. He unwrapped his burger and took a big bite. I knew it was going to be London. They've got to cover all bases, said Sage. We'd all look like tits if we were waiting for them in London and they attacked Milton Keynes. Milton Keynes is a shithole, said Taylor. Nobody would miss it if they wiped it off the map. He shoved a handful of chips into his mouth. Victor, too, has passed the Oxford turn-off, said the woman. Sage looked at his watch. Central London was about sixty miles from Oxford about an hour and a half at the speed they were travelling. His gut told him that was where the jihadists were heading, but once they reached the capital it was anyone's guess what their ultimate target would be.